Welcome to a Frugal Athlete Podcast, where we interview athletes, both current and former, on the prudent financial practices and smart career decisions they are making. In these episodes, we dive into what it means to be a frugal athlete. You might think that frugal just means being cheap, but as you will soon learn, being frugal is more complex than that. Hey, what's up? I'm Amobi Okugo, a.k.a. a frugal athlete. So check this out. We came out with an all-new, extensive, brand-new course. Our course, Rookie Mistakes, is a course that helps young athletes and individuals avoid the common mistakes when starting your career. I provide real-life examples, lessons, insights, all that and more to teach you how to identify the rookie mistakes before you make them. And trust me, I've made a lot. It's all about giving yourself the best foundation and head start to build financial and career stability. For more information or to get the course, check out the link in bio. Welcome to another episode of a Frugal Athlete Podcast. I am here with the old friend, current friend. I don't mean to say old as in like we, <laughs> we were friends in the past and not friends anymore. Uh, but someone I used to play soccer with back in the day who's, you know, gone on to do some amazing things. Jason Dodson, how are you feeling today? I'm, I'm fantastic. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for having me on, man. Big fan of the just the podcast, all the stuff you're doing. It's It's been fun to watch you over the years. No, I appreciate it. And obviously, you know, we, we've known each other since we were like 13 and we got they were able to get reconnected during our time or my time in Portland. Uh, but for people that don't know you, please give us some you know context into who you are, what you do, uh, how you, you came about. To yeah, for sure. Um, so like Moby said, we went way back. We uh, started playing soccer together, kind of regional teams, national team type stuff. And then he went off to UCLA. I went to Stanford, played there for four years, um, ended up graduating and going to actually took a redshirt year, went and played uh, one year at University of Portland while I was getting my master's up there. Um, and then, you know, tried to do the, the pro route, um, had a few good looks, but nothing really came of it. So kind of had that, uh, that, you know, decision, decided to go finish my master's. Um, and then once I finished that up, went to go work at a, a agency called RGA. Um, they're based down in New York, but I was working in the Portland office uh, in Oregon, uh, specifically on the Nike account. So it was basically like an embedded person in that in that team. And so it was just about two and a half years working um, Nike's digital stuff and then um, actually ended up getting laid off uh, just because it's very, you know, cyclical type of business. And then out of that came an opportunity to come join Red Hook Brewery, um, which is where I'm currently at. So that's kind of the, uh, you know, the short version, how I got there. Um, and then through that, I started as an associate brand manager. And as of last October, got promoted to be the brand manager. So um, right now, uh, my current title is brand manager at Red Hook Brewery. I oversee all the kind of packaging design, the creative side of things, and then the business strategy. So um, kind of what, what new products do we launch? What's the market reacting to? That sort of thing. Uh, congrats. And I know we're going to get into that because you're doing some amazing things with uh, Red Hook. And I wanted to touch on because we've had some rivalries. You know, you went to Stanford. I went to <laughs> UCLA. We had some good rivalries. And obviously, Stanford has been doing amazing uh, so far with their with their soccer. Talk about the, the process of choosing Stanford for you. Yeah, it's it's actually a really funny story about that, because uh was uh, kind of in that whole recruiting process and, and was basically 
I was like, I'll go anywhere. You know, I just wanted yeah. to play, you know, that was my thing. And so I, I had good grades, you know, but I didn't really consider myself uh, a genius by any stretch of the imagination. And so when I was going to all these, you know, camps and stuff, I was basically hitting up, I think everyone on the West coast, except for Stanford, like I didn't even <laughs> bother. Cause I was like, yeah, you know, they, they aren't interested. And then, um, so I, I it was after one of the big kind of recruiting tournaments, um, a friend of a friend had his sister playing on the Stanford team at the time. And she like sends me a text out of nowhere, calls me and is like, Hey, you need to call the Stanford coach. And I'm like, okay, that why is it just call him? Mm-hmm. So they call him up and he's like, yeah, you're high on our radar and like all this. And then <laughs> the funniest thing he looked at, he was like, let's, let's talk your you know, transcripts and stuff. And he looked at it and was like, Oh, we great. If you could add like an AP or two to this, you know, said something that was like basically scrambling, calling my, you know, yeah. uh, high school counselor. I was like, okay, I don't care what it does. Like do this, like make this happen. <laughs> it was just so funny. Cause I was like, Oh crap, this is like, this is a possibility and I'm not going to mess this up. But it was kind of that. It's just, uh, you know, I don't know if there's a moral there of, you know, aim high or something or just, you know, but it, it was just kind of funny that the, the one opportunity I wasn't even seeking was where I ended it up. No, that's that's funny how you said like what's the moral? I think for the for me the moral is like you can push yourself, and that's what Stanford does. That's what UCLA does. At these these opportunities, and obviously, yeah. you know, you talked about going to grad school after that. So talk about that, and um, because you know a lot of student athletes may have that conundrum of like, do I pursue grad school options? Do I try to go pro? Do I do four years? Do I leave early? What was that process like? That thinking behind for you? Yeah, totally. And and for me, the situation, I think, was a really, there was just a lot of very unique circumstances at play. So I guess a few things, um, you know, my, my Stanford career, I, I love it. And, you know, my alma mater is, is very near and dear to my heart. That said, like, I had kind of a really rough go, I think, in my career with, with some really bad injuries and just some other things that didn't work out. Um, and so kind of leaving that situation, I had a pretty, you know, sour taste in my mouth. And so was kind of looking, you know, definitely wanted to play pro, but I, I just knew and I didn't have any kind of momentum. I'd been sidelined with, again, some injuries and some other, uh, you know, conflicts going on. And so um, with that, I kind of was facing, you know, try and go pro with literally nothing, no momentum behind me, or, you know, I had some contacts at University of Portland, um, just because I'm, I'm from here. And, and when, it, when I was doing the recruiting, I was talking with them a lot. And uh, it just worked out that they had a spot open, would have loved, you know, keeper in my situation to play next year uh, with my red shirt. And so that was kind of on the table. And, you know, I just kind of looked and said, you know, I, uh, I don't have any kind of wind at my sails now. I would love mm-hmm. to just kind of get that momentum back. Um, at the time, also, UP had a, a coach named Bill Irwin, who was like, if you were in the soccer world, if you're a goalkeeper, he was like the top notch. I mean, you look at the goalkeepers that came out of, of UP under his, uh, you know, Luis, lineage, yeah. Luis Robles, Casey Keller. I mean, the list goes on. Yeah. Like, you know, he was the man. And so just a chance to work under him, even for a year, was just such an appealing thing. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think in under that year, I mean, it, it worked out for me. Like under that year, I think I probably became a better goalkeeper than, you know, uh, I had in, in a long time. You know, it just he, he had a way of unlocking it in me. So that was a, a really rewarding experience in itself, I think. 
No, respect. What what major did you decide? Like, what was your uh, master's program in? Yeah, so that was a, that was another part of it. Um, so I majored at undergrad um, in psychology with a minor in creative writing, and then my master's was a degree called management communications. So it's basically like half in the MBA school and half in the communications department. And so, you know, I love it. It's like a, it's a really actually uncommon major, but I'm, I'm kind of surprised by that because I think it's, it's perfect for people who want to go into marketing because you really have to dive into, you know, the, the conceptual side of things and, and really, you know, look at communication on that level and, and did some fascinating like research on that. But then there was a practical element of like, where you actually applying this stuff to business and like, you know, there wasn't a lot of finance and, and things like that, but I never really envisioned myself and, and, you know, managing, yeah you know, finances and stuff anyway. So it, it kind of worked out. Uh, that's cool. So before, like you already knew you always wanted to get into the brand side the marketing side, you know, at, at school. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. All right. That's that perfect. was, that was, uh, I mean, as I think uh, a lot of people can relate a lot of athletes, you know, I grew up watching the Nike ads, especially the soccer ads. So, you know, yeah. and I was just like, I want to do that, you know, and the, the, uh-huh. uh, the funniest thing was my first, um, my first job out of college, I was an associate producer at RGA and we had a new managing director who we started talking, figure out he was the like lead producer on like all those huge Nike commercials that came the out. Of, ones? Yeah. Like the Joe Gamina, the, the, uh, was the one with, uh, they basically have the first person oh. view of Van Persie or whatever. Oh like, yeah. When he did like, like, okay. Right. The future. Like he did all of those. And I was just like, all right, cool. Like I'm in the right yeah. place. <laughs> That's amazing. So what was that transition like? Because you you wanted to go pro, then you had, you know, grad school as an option. You know, that transition is tough, you know, like you're in those crunch moments. What, like, can you explain yeah, yeah. your mindset during that? During that? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. And, you know, it, I, I really struggled with it, I think, at first. Um, you know, kind of the, the metaphor that I use is, you know, you're an athlete, if you're in D1 or, or, you know, whatever, if you're in college, you're, you're playing at a very high level. And that's yeah. such a huge part of your identity and, and how you, you know, redo your life. And then it kind of just ends, you know, and so the metaphor I use is like, imagine if there was like a, a musician, you know, playing in, in symphony level stuff, and then they just lost their hand or something, you know, it's like, there's yeah. really no other career out there, like sports in the way that when it ends, like you it, it ends, you know, um, and I'm sure I'm missing some like obvious examples, but, you know, for me, it was all of a sudden, like my entire life, my entire, you know, I, I pushed through school because of sports. I pushed through, you know, a lot of pain and a lot of rehab and like all this stuff for sports. And then it just kind of ended. And it wasn't even like the, you know, you kind of expect a crash. There wasn't a crash. It was just kind of this weird, like listlessness, this like drifting yeah. of like, you know, I have to figure this all out now and nobody prepared me to do that, you know? And so I think that was, um, you know, a really, it was a really hard thing for me to, to kind of work through. Um, and I think it took, you know, several, several years, uh, to really kind of figure that out if, you know, and that's just being honest for me. Um, you know, I think there's, there's so much of this assumption that, you know, athletes are incredibly high performing, obviously. And that's why yeah. we, we are what, what we are and what we do, what we do. And then it's, it's just such a, a, such a weird thing to step into uh, another setting where it's just like, that doesn't mean anything. You know, I think that was kind of my, the biggest wake up call to me was I went into my first job interview and like 
had my resume lined up and they were like, oh, you played soccer at Stanford. That's awesome. And they were like, you know, kind of had that. Oh, so how was it? Cool. Like, great. So yeah. then let's talk about this. And then we ended up talking about like some, I worked in a, I worked in a lab over the summer, you know, just summer job type thing on campus. And we talked, you know, way more about that than we did my, my entire soccer career. And so I was like, yeah. ah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Uh, my, you know, the entire thing I, I thought I was going to be condensed down to one line on a resume. And I, I knew I had way more in me, but I didn't feel like I had the tools to express how that would translate into the, the next stage of my life. And so that was a really scary thing too, of just like, I felt like despite it, it was the weirdest thing because, you know, despite having a degree from Stanford and a master's degree, I actually felt like a failure. Like I, I truly felt like I had failed to achieve something because I had set my entire goal of my, my career on making it pro. And I felt like 10, I was in the locker room, you know, yeah. for preseason, like I was so close, you know, but um, it, it took me a long time, I think, to get a broader perspective to be like, that's just insanity. But I, I think in the, in the short term. And, and one of the things that I really struggled with that I, I think maybe a lot of people can relate to a lot of athletes can relate to is like, when you're, uh, when you're on the field, like by necessity, you have to be a hundred percent intensity. You have to be, you know, yeah. all systems go on this one thing and it's, it's, you know, a, a grueling process, but you're out there for maybe two hours, three hours, most versus, you know, you can, you have times where you can separate that out. That's built into your schedule versus, yeah when you're on the job, especially early on in your career, if you're putting in 10, a lot of 10, you know, 11 hour days in, in an office, you, you know, and you apply that same intensity, you're just going to be just burnt to a crisp, you know, mentally. Yeah. And I think that was for me, like I approached my first job with such an intensity that I, you know, I, I definitely uh, did some great work, but I burned myself out mentally, just really, really bad. And in, in my mental state, I didn't, um, you know, take enough care of that. And so it was just, I, I had to train myself not to like unlearn that instinct. Cause I think that's like the, one of the biggest assets yeah. that athletes have is that kind of killer instinct to get stuff done when, when, you know, your back's against the wall, but if you can't learn to turn that off, it, it was, it was really tough, you know? And so I was just reacting to like everything and especially working in an agency world where you're managing your men on maybe four or five projects at a time, like stuff's breaking constantly you know and, yeah. and so it's like that world i i think i just wasn't prepared to step into that world not because i wasn't ready to take on the like excitement of it it's because i couldn't turn my brain off you know yeah and i think that was that was such a huge uh a thing for me I still felt to myself i had to prove that like me stepping away from my career was a good decision rather than me being like you know i could have kept pushing i could have you know and especially as a goalkeeper you, you don't know until uh, you're in your late 20s. You know, that's when you're really yeah. going to get your shot. You know, exactly. you look at uh, Portland Timbers right now, three of their goalkeepers go out and you have a guy named Logan Ketterer um, comes up from the USL, gets his first start and, and goes to the team of the week. I mean, it's just like, but he's, he's not a, he's, a, you know, in his late 20s, you know. And so I had to kind of look at that and be like, is that the life I wanted to chase for myself or, I had this, this grad school option on the table and there was kind of a, 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 some money on the table that was use it or lose it type stuff. And so, you know, I chose, I think for me, 
the absolute right thing. I, I, I'm not saying that either way is, is what a, a person should do, but I think with either decision, it gets this point where you're going to have to make really strong, really life-changing decisions about your career. Yeah. And I just, I thought I was prepared to do that and I wasn't, you know, and, and no amount of, of work could really change that, you know? So that's where I struggled. I guess I, mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like it's a, it's a depressing thing. It was just like, I think that's, it, it took me a long time to, I think, come to terms with, with that emotional gravity of the decision that I made and kind of what it means to, to truly end a career, you know? Um, and I no, think I it happened so abruptly for me that it was, it was hard to deal with at times, you know? No, it's not, it's not depressing at all. I think it's actually, I appreciate you sharing because this is a problem or I don't even want to say a problem. This is a dilemma that athletes face at every level, high school, college, yeah. grad school, pro. Like you can never prepare for that moment of having it done. And especially in your situation where you're in a use it or lose it type of situation, you have outside external factors that are affecting the decision of whether you want to play or not. And, you know, you touched on a number of different things, you know, how do you translate that more than an athlete persona when you've been focused so much on your sport for so long, like all these qualities that you have helped you on your sport, but they also help you off of it. So how do you translate that into uh, a corporate job or entrepreneurship? And then within that, you know, I love, I love how you talked about our mentality, like our competitive nature and like making sure like we understand, yeah, that go, go, go is good. But again, we do that for 90 minutes, not nine to five. So how do we, you know, manage that within the setting? Because those same qualities help us excel in the workforce, but it also can definitely hurt us as well. So I think that's very important that you share that. I think uh, what I want to ask you to follow up is what advice would you have for an athlete or what would you tell your younger self if you knew what you knew now in terms of that transition? For sure. Um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of speak very openly about this too. I think um, for me, part of the transition that, that really was a struggle and that um, I didn't take seriously enough was my mental health when I was playing. And um, when I, about two, two years ago, um, you know, I got diagnosed with uh, general generalized anxiety disorder and uh, depression. And <laughs> what was interesting is that I had kind of had this sense that that was going on my entire career. Um, but for me, I was very reluctant to seek help. Um, and especially, uh, you know, like medicine help. Cause I was, I, I kind of, you know, was really afraid that, uh, you know, any sort of, if I got prescribed something, I would be basically inhibiting my ability to perform things like that. Like I, I knew that that kind of idea was out there. And so, well, you know, this is well after my career ended, but I, I sought the help. Um, and it's, it's kind of <laughs> remarkable how like much of a non-issue that has been like, it, it's, you know, I was worried for the same reasons that it would kind of blunt my creativity. Like I'm in a, a very creative uh, profession and like, it, it's, it's so remarkable how that's not been an issue in that, um, you know, once I was able to kind of manage this, it, it just like, became this new baseline of just like satisfaction and, and that ability to kind of take that perspective step back, you know, and, and yeah. it was a, a, com a combination of, you know, some low dose medicine and some counseling to kind of work through some stuff. But, you know, the thing that I would tell my younger self, you know, I, I love to, you know, everyone plays that game of, you know, oh, if I could go back, you know, and I would do obviously certain things differently, but I think 
I would have encouraged myself and what I would encourage any athletes to do is like, if you're feeling things that aren't right, like seek that help. And like, it, it's more and more shocking to me that especially the amount of uh, money, you know, schools and everything will put into these facilities and, and the, the physical treatment side of things. It's, we, we ignore so much the mental side of things. And it's, especially the more as we discover how important that is, um, you know, that we still don't react to it, you know, and, and any sort of mental health services I had at school came through the, the you know, the kind of general student body itself. Um, and so I just didn't, one, really know what was out there, but two, that was never kind of, a, a, you know, a, um, a route that was made available to me, you know, or, or yeah. encouraged rather, you know, it's, and, and I think that's partly cultural and partly just, you know, some, some specific things that happened. And so I guess for me, it's, I, I don't know, I can't say whether it would have made me a better player or not. I, I have a suspicion that it actually would have, but I think I would have enjoyed what I was doing far better, you know, and I, I, I again, yeah. when I say I left uh, school and, and the sport kind of with a really bitter taste in my mouth, I think part of that was there was just some undiagnosed things going on with me that, um, you know, could have really, not you know I could have gone through my career not having to experience those at the same time and yeah. like that to me is the saddest thing that like you know I, I I let this really awesome opportunity kind of be tainted by this fear of seeking the help that I needed you know mm -hmm. and that's just the sad that's what I'd tell my younger self um is and what I'll tell people now about that transition is like your mental health only gets more important to keep after like you obviously got to keep yeah. the body fit you know nobody wants wants jelly roll abs but like you got to really learn to control that mentality and, and learn to take those hits and I think as an athlete we are so trained and so good at just take the hit move forward take the hit move forward and that's such an important part of business and such an important part of what's going to make you successful but if you put yourself in that mindset if you put yourself in game-winning you know, mind for every single problem. It's like you said, you're, you're not going 90 minutes. You're not going two hours. You're going, uh, you know, nine to five at best. You're probably more yeah. looking at eight to six, you know, I mean, 10 hours a day, five to 50 hours a week. I mean, it's just, you can kind of do the math and be like, it's too much, it's too much, you know, yeah. and the way that the, just the world works right now is so fast and, and so, um, demanding that it's you know nobody is going to encourage you to take your breaks you know if anything yeah. everything around you is going to tell you to keep pushing forward and keep plowing through especially that that mind inside of you that's still the athlete that says okay that's just a hurdle you push through that's the hurdle you know and, and again in a in a really long-term sense that's amazing mentality to have but like you gotta learn to take care of the the mind as better as much if not better than you've learned to take care of your body as an athlete and I just felt incredibly ill-prepared for that when I was entering the real world out of college and I, I I guess that's kind of my thesis there no I think you know I appreciate you sharing I think it's very important for athletes to consider because you know even for the younger athletes especially uh just got offline with somebody you know, we put so much pressure on ourselves to excel. And, yep. you know, whether it's on the field or off the field, that competitive nature of, you know, I can figure it out on my own. I can, you know, ask for help, figure out the resources that are available to you, look for the resources, ask questions, and whether it's, you know, your mental health, your personal development, your money management, your social, 
um, family, personal, that all helps you not only individually, but your performance, whether it's on the field or in the workforce, um, like you said. So I appreciate you sharing that and, you know, making sure that, you know, you were open and honest because we need to hear more stories like this. We need to hear more people that have gone through it, that are going through it um, so they can give you their valuable insight and advice. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to change gears a little bit because I think it's a good segue to, you know, figuring out your story. You work in branding and marketing. You study psychology, so you understand the mindset. Um, that's how I kind of we got reconnected, at least when I yeah. wanted to reach out to you for this podcast. What makes a good story from an athlete perspective? I mean, yeah, I think it's I'll even take it a, a step back, which is what makes a good story in general, you know, mm-hmm. and I think uh, a good story is, is pretty simple. It's it's character. You know, you have two characters or one character and you know, you have a setting and you have a plot and the thing that drives the plot is conflict, right? And so Mm -hmm. think of any good story, if there's no conflict, there's no story, right? And I think that's um, usually where good storytellers and great storytellers kind of diverge in my opinions, how well they can weave in that conflict to resonate with people. So, you know, what I would say to athletes is you're already coming into a story as a compelling character, right? Like, you're a professional, you're a high level athlete, it doesn't matter, professional or, uh, you know, collegiate, high school, it's like, you're, you're doing something that people aspire to do, which is play sports, right? Um, what's interesting is like, and, and I kind of go back to that, that first um, thing I said about my resume, it's like, that storyline is very interesting, but dies very quickly, right? You yeah. know, you're like, okay, you know, I was a, a, an athlete, cool, I was a professional athlete, very cool but still like that statement is like you're on you wanting to know more right so yeah what i'm saying like when you're developing your story you need to keep a few things in mind like one is what are you actually trying to achieve with your brand like what's the thing what's the value you want to bring to the world with your brand right and that to mm-hmm. me branding is is about value add right? It's, it's you know, a lot of people confuse branding with a lot of things, right? And, and it's kind of, it's one of those terms like art, like it's, I don't know what it is. It's hard to define, but I, I know when I see it, like yeah. it's just kind of everything that you do. But within that, I mean, just think of, you know, uh, a perfect example in the soccer world, think of Messi's brand versus Ronaldo's brand versus like Zlatan's brand, right? They're all kind of in that same area. And it's like, you can tell they're trying to achieve, I think, different things through what they do. But what it all is, it it comes back to that idea of this is kind of the person I want to be. This is kind of the, the, the key thing I want to be. Right. And so, sorry, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, (laughs) I'm rambling a bit. No, you're not. I I literally got my notebook. I'm just writing writing all this stuff down. (laughs) I think this is important because we have someone that has been an athlete, um, works in the brand space, um, marketing space, not only for sports entities, but now consumer um products um that would be consumer products beverage com- that um, yeah. beverage yeah beverage works yeah. so i'm definitely like this is going to be like a little bit of a master class session as part of the podcast because um for sure as athletes tell their stories you know they work with e-commerce and brands and stuff like that you're someone that can definitely provide insight so you were talking about brand being a value add and you know how depending on how you craft your story you're gonna you know yeah get, get a certain message from it for sure. So that, that's a good point. So for me, like what I was trying to say is kind of being the athlete is the headline, right? But you still have 
kind of the rest of your body of the work. And I think the athletes that really succeed in branding, the, the ones that do a fantastic job are the ones that have kind of built that. So what afterwards, it's like, yes, you were an athlete, but so what, what's the value you bring? Like being an athlete is just your platform to the greater entity of your brand. Right. So, I mean, think of Well, the, the thing that I struggle with, right. Is cause you always want to say, think of X, think of Michael Jordan, think of LeBron James, think of all these greats. And it's like, yes, that's, that's fantastic. And it's, it's great to aspire to that. But I, I think there's so much more of people out there who are obviously yeah. not, you know, that level. So what I would encourage, you know, anyone to think about, especially people who aren't in this marquee, you know, one percenter of, of brand equity is, is really think about, again, what can sport allow you to do? What can sport allow you to accomplish? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's when I get back to this idea of conflict, right? And I think we all know awesome stories, um, really inspiring stories of people who come from bad situations, use sports to drive, um, you know, change in their communities that they come from, right? And that's a, a really awesome brand story, not only because it helps people's lives and like, it's amazing, but also you see this clear struggle, this clear narrative of the person who got out of a situation no one thought they could, and then, you know, made it big and, and came back and helped lifted everybody's tide or like the, sorry, the tide that they set lifted everybody up. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like, ultimately that's what being an athlete allows us to do or allows you to do is it puts you naturally in a spot where people will pay attention to what you have to say or the skill sets you want to bring. So for example, like for me, we do a lot of work with professional teams and, and kind of corporate hospitality and stuff like that. So it's, you know, for us, especially we're, we're a smaller sponsor with a lot of these teams. Like if you want to talk to any of the players, I'm like, yes, I want to talk to all of them. Like, it doesn't matter. Like obviously we, we know, so we worked with the Timbers, like what I like Valeri, like, absolutely. I'd like Valeri. What I'd like anybody else. Absolutely. I would. So it's, you know, being an athlete, I think just opens that door for you to make you somebody that people want to listen to, but yeah. you really then have to think about what happens when I open my mouth right? Like truly, what am I saying after I open my mouth? And, you know, the, the trap that we fall into is like, obviously the Nikes, the, the, the really high-end people, they say, well, what falls out of your mouth is I'm the greatest. Le- LeBron, that's his narrative. I'm the greatest, you know, Messi, Ronaldo, Jordan, all that stuff. But if you're not there to make your pitch, we're kind of told to be like, you know, oh, there's no equity in that story. Cause that's the sports story. The sports story is, I have to be the greatest of my sport because that's, that's what sports is, right? That's yeah. what the whole thing is set up to do. But obviously it, it's worth saying that like humans are way more nuanced than that. And there's way more challenges in the world than just setting up or being the greatest. Right. Yeah. And so oftentimes, you know, I find the, the real, one of the best brand stories is just like, what am I doing to help other people? How does my brand help other people so for example in a really a quick hit for with with beer it's like you know on one level like nobody needs a beer but on the same level it we you know provides a place to come around build community it provides you know this area of or this place to discussion and and kind of this just general relaxation right that's the value add you bring to beer and so when you think about a brand when you think about your own personal brand think about that what is my story how does my story bring value to somebody else's life beyond 
just that sport narrative, right? They're going to yeah. be inspired by you because you're on, you're on the big leagues, right? You're, you're a place that people want to get to. But again, that's just the door that opens, you know, the narrative to something else that you can be passionate about, right? And so that I think to me is what brand branding people try so hard to spend their entire careers trying to really unlock that for people and for brands because that's where the magic happens right yeah. you know that's the that's the feeling you're left with after interacting with somebody right you know whether it's awe whether it's reverence whether it's joy you know and and like just think about people you meet in in your life like whether they leave an impact or when they leave an impact on you be like do i feel happy afterwards do i feel inspired afterwards and and think about how you know, people feel after interacting with you and your brand, what do you want them to feel? How do you want them to, to walk away and tell you about, you know, so if they're going to go to their friend, be like, Oh, I just met a Mobia Kugo. And like, I feel so inspired because like, not only did, you know, your podcast make me feel like I, it, these things are achievable, but it's kind of laying this, this roadmap out. So I feel inspired and I also feel empowered. Right. And that's, yeah. I think your brand, I think you do that very well. Right. And so, maybe that's something an athlete can pursue, but I think there's also, you know, maybe I want to use my power to bring people together. Maybe I want to use my story to say, I, I have this problem in my community that I can use my presence to bring people together. Perfect example in soccer, Didier Drogba, when he's like, I literally stopped a civil war in my country yeah. because I'm that powerful. And now, uh, you know, that's obviously a crazy example, but I think like that's a very different brand that I'm a, I'm a peacemaker. I'm a, I'm a bridge builder than saying I'm the greatest, but like still like the, the amount of respect and the amount of equity he got again, again, just looking at it strictly from a branding uh, lens is, is incredible to me. And that's, that's the masterclass. And again, it's not, I'm not even saying he did it to build his brand because like, that's what the best brands are. They're just authentic things that happen natural, natural, but that's also to say that like you should put yourself in those positions where things come naturally. And I think too much, we just get caught up in that singular story of I'm playing the greatest game. And if I'm not the greatest, if, if you're not the greatest at what you do. And again, there are, there are like five people in each sport who are fighting out that narrative. Yeah. There's still so much room for something below that or not, not even below. I don't want to say the word, I regret using the word below. It's not even below that. Just, just different narratives that still apply to sport and if you feel those narratives if you feel that urge to build community if you feel that urge to uh, uh provide people a roadmap to a knowledge that you have or or something you found important like financial independence or like uh you know I mean, look at all the amazing work people are doing in racial justice right now with you know colin kaepernick but even um you know i, I look at uh jeremy abobasi in mls led the is is leading this this awesome charge but also is putting out designs from t-shirts he did and, and again i'm not saying he's using this as a platform to build his own personal brand as much as he's using his brand to make impact right yeah. and i think if you start thinking about it that way it's it's how you build a sustainable brand i'm not yeah. it's not always easy and it's not always profitable but that's when you look at the truly sustainable brands the ones that have stood the test of time that you come back to are kind of the ones that can consistently 
live those narratives. And the only way to do that, you know, without driving mm-hmm. yourself mentally crazy is to just live something authentic to you and, and kind of uh, push that forward. You know, I'm, I, I'm a big fan of the metaphor that like branding is like cooking and I'm, I'm really into like cooking shows right now, but okay. you watch these like master chefs and, yeah. and whatnot, the whole show is best centered around this idea that you get like five ingredients, right. And then you have to do something crazy with it. And all these chefs, what they do, it, it, you don't, you don't take that and say, okay, I'm going to throw in 20 other things and make it this, this thing. Yeah. I'm going to take those five ingredients and I'm going to do things to those five ingredients to make something else. And that to me is what good branding does is, is you not, you don't have to be 20 million things to 20 million different people. You have to just take the things that you're good at and find ways to recombine them or to leverage them for different things, right? You're not, you don't have to be uh, a multi, you know, everything to everybody. You don't even have to have millions of followers to be a good branding person or a good branding asset. You just have to live what you do organically enough for a brand to say, we believe the same thing. And I believe that you're the person to keep that message going, right? That to me yeah. is a perfect branding partner. And that's somebody, if I recognize that in a brand, there's, there's a lot of money to be had for that. And again, it's, it's, it might not come because of you have a million followers might come because you speak to this one audience that we have not been able to hit for years. And all of a sudden we see you as the person who can bring that message, you know, like that's, that's the game. Right. And and especially for those who aren't going to play the the master game, which I would recommend most people don't just because it's, you know, but uh, I would say there's so much value that you can find outside of that narrative within your own narrative, you know, trust that narrative that you have that's gotten you because you're at a place already, like you said, being, being D one, being professional athlete, you're on the tip of a pyramid that not certainly everybody, but a, certainly a, a lot of people have tried to climb. Yeah. So again, you've, you've already achieved the interesting test, but you got to make sure you pass the substance test because at a certain point you, you're going to hit it. Right. I like that industry for assumptions. I'm, I'm going to write that down. I told you guys this was going to be a masterclass. I hope you guys have your pen and paper. <laughs> you guys can run it back if you guys need to. Um, but you talked about roadmap and the money that's in branding. Um, yeah. Obviously, you tell your story. You're authentic. You're honest. You know, you show conflict. You show, you know, it's important whether you have a million or a hundred, you have your your super fans or your super targeted community. You have your super engaged audience. All right. How do you get that brand to connect with you how do you get that sponsorship what do i have to do from a social perspective to make sure uh we can make sure something happens Mm -hmm. again it's it's connections and and the the funny thing to me was when i was working at at nike um or doing the stuff for nike we did this one project that brought in some very high level people from the company and it was like this very interesting thing to, to realize, like, these are the decision makers for Nike, that what happens is because these people made these decisions. And I think it was something you understand, um, you know, academically, but to understand that people are what drive brands. Like, Red Hook does things because someone like me or somebody like my colleague decides to do it. And I think that's the, tr- that's the true way that branding and, and kind of corporations work is you got to find out who those people are, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, somebody's in charge of making the decision to sign the contract. You got to find a way to be in their mouth. That, that came out very weird. You got to find a, 
Let me rephrase that one. You got to find a way to make sure that you're at the top of their mind. Uh, that uh, no, but so with that, and it kind of goes back to our storytelling thing. It's like, you know, how many of, uh, of your athletes have walked into the marketing department and said, Hey, who's in charge of corporate sponsorships? Cause every team has one, every team. I mean, pay attention guys and gals. <laughs> Yeah. Like every team has some person, probably a very eager and overworked 25 year old, I'm guessing, um, who's in charge of just coordinating all the people who come in. Well, guess, I mean, look around in the suites. Those are the people making the decisions. Those are the people yeah. entertaining the people making the decisions. And I'm telling you right now, as a person who runs one of those brands, who's not the top, like we will take anything. I mean, we love working with the team. Any, if we had a player come to us, and be like, you know, we want to work with you guys. I would say like, okay, how do we make this happen? Let's, let's talk like, you know, but you just got to put yourself out there. And, yeah. and that's the thing is even at the highest levels, like, you know, we've sponsored with Widmer brothers. When I worked on that, we sponsored the trailblazers. I mean, like we're playing in this, you know, these, these not, we're not a huge brand, but we're playing in these in spaces. spaces and every single team has, layers of sponsorship and i guarantee you it wouldn't take much work to figure out how to get in touch with those people yeah so then from there so i'd say like step one just get in front of that like find out who your corporate sponsorship person is and talk to them and tell them i want to be involved i want to know what's going on right and and so you can kind of talk to them about your goals or just like i want to know what's going on so that when the people making the decisions and and most if not all core, you know, sports entities will have some sort of corporate, you know, dinner, thank you events. Yeah. When you go there, find out who those people are and find out who's doing cool stuff. Like that's, that's my like kind of recommendation to you is less of like, you, you know, you can say, I want to rep this brand or I want to rep this brand. And that's certainly great, but also just get a vibe for like who you work with, because two things are going to happen. One is if, you meet somebody and you're like, Hey, I work for a company. And it's like, yeah, all right. Like whatever, like that's probably not the right fit, but you're like, I'm vibing with this person. You can build mentorships. You can build, you know, relationships. And guess what? That person's likely going to jump ship. Like the the current marketing position, they last about five year cycles and then people just jump because it's kind of just the way things work. So that person, maybe they're working, you know, Oh, Mike's lemonade. Well, next thing you know, maybe they jumped over to Nike for their next job or they jumped over here and all of a sudden you're still friends with them. So come time to either build your brand, A, you, you've, you have a person in a powerful position or B, you need a job (laughs) or something. And and they're speak on it. That's facts. Relationships matter. Yeah. But it's like, I thought really, well, I guess I'd say like relationships matter. Like I I thought it was important. It's like vital. Like, I mean, it's just, that's how things get done. And, and you can have, you know, again, if you're not competing for that top 1%, it's not that like nobody wants to talk to you. It's just that like, I'm busy as hell, you know? Yeah. And like, I don't have time to seek out. I don't want, like, it's, it's really tough for, the only way I can get a hold of someone at a sport, you know, at a, a professional level would be go through the corporate affairs person. Yeah. So, you know, you're already kind of bottlenecking through them. They know who wants to work with people. Um, and, and so that's, that's one thing, but it, it's not like it's easy to get a hold of athletes and rightfully so like, you don't yeah. want, you don't want, uh, you know, every corporate, you know, every company just banging on your door with, with X, Y, Z offer. But again, 
it, it's just everything comes from that relationship and and the the business communities in these cities especially you know the other thing i'd super encourage is like think local think small businesses think people who maybe don't have the marketing budget so either a you know offer them a discount or b maybe you can get some equity out of it or like if you build all these relationships eventually your name's going to come up in the conversations that you need them to be to really be where you want to be but it's it's just we don't have time to chase down those things we have to just go with the opportunities that we find and and sometimes it happens with that with that being said all right so should an athlete come up with like the proposal um when they're reaching out to these people or should they actually first first and foremost build the relationship make sure you're vibing with them but in terms of creating something you know i found that when you're vibing with somebody and you have a good reputation the opportunity will come at some point, whether it's now or later, but when you're actively seeking some opportunities, if you're not working with the brand manager, if you're not working with the agent or a social media person, should you propose like what you're thinking or is that kind of too aggressive? No, I, I think the, look, the, the more, uh, uh, that's a great question. A few things on that. One is I, I don't ever see reaching out as, as a problem. Okay. You know, the, the thing, the worst thing you're going to get is a, a no you know, yeah. or uh, actually the worst thing you're going to get is a non-response and that, that could happen. You know, it's tough if you're kind of cold calling people, you know, that's where the, the relationship comes in. But, you know, that all being said, if you find it, it, it's pretty easy in my position, you know, I, I field a lot of, um, not to say like athlete influencer requests, but, you know, like B2B requests and things like that. It's really easy to tell who's put thought into things and who hasn't. Right. And, you know, uh, in terms of working with vendors and things like that, there's some vendors and, and people who, you know, have put in the time to read your history, to kind of know how your business works. And you just listen to that person. Right. And and that's where authenticity really matters. And so if you have a pitch that you're coming to someone just because you think you can make money off of it, like, eh, I'm not probably going to be super receptive, but, and this gets back to our other discussion of, if you come to me and you're like, hey, you know, so again, Red Hook based out of Seattle, which is used like the Seahawks as an example. If we had a Seahawk player being like, hey, you know, I want to make a beer with you guys. And like, okay, interesting. Like, let's talk. But, uh, you know, that's kind of where the discussion ends. But if you come to me like, I want to make a beer because I want to raise awareness for X, Y, Z, or I want to, you know, do this with it. Or like, I'm super, like, that's amazing. Now you have my attention, yeah. right? Because now you've you have if if you come to me and say i want to collaborate and this is like my thing i have to as a marketer be like well you know maybe like maybe it's good but if it's not if it doesn't like nail what i'm doing which 99 percent of the time you probably won't just because like there's a lot that happens behind the curtain you know it's going to be like a hey thanks love to work with you but i just can't you know versus if you build that that relationship you know most brands will do planning once a year and and you kind of build out what your strategic assets and everything is going to be there so right now actually is when we're doing our planning and and our our, we just do that for uh i can't say that this is all brands doing their planning but certainly for my company so now i'm in that mindset of you know these are the things i want to do these are my strategic brand priorities and if i'm looking for influence or something you know, I'm going to be like, oh, God, I had that conversation with that guy from the Seahawks the other day. Let's give him a call. Let's figure this out, you know. Yeah. So that's that's how it works. And and the unfortunate thing is, you know, you you don't get a ton of results up front, right? That's yeah. just kind you gotta of put the work in. You got to put the work in. 
The good news is, is that you as an athlete have an asset that is also growing in your own career. And so, you know, put in that time as a rookie, because, you know, if you meet, let's just play out a scenario, which I don't think is far-fetched that you, you meet people at these corporate events in five years time or three years time, whatever, not only is your career going to grow, that person's career is going to grow. You're going to have a partner of growth at this company. And again, they're now going to like, if you would have met me three years ago, I would have been in a position to say, I love the idea. Let me take it to my boss and we'll see. Now I'm in the position where I say, I, I, I am that guy. I can make yeah. that decision. Right. And so it, it's, it's, you just have to play that long game. Uh-huh. Right. But if you build that equity early on, the good news is it, it's like any other investment, it pays dividends. Yeah. And, and that's what good relationships do is they just, it, over time, the more you can feel that fire and, and uh, you know, the, the better off you're going to be. And, and that's when I, I really come back to the idea of like align yourself with people that you trust and just like trust your gut instinct. And if somebody's doing something that like, again, you feel that, that they have the right energy and it's not quite right fit, keep that alive because you never know what people are going to go. You never know what that next yeah. step is. And the more you can keep that relationship alive, the better off you're going to be. And again, the, there's no better in than I'm an athlete. Like everybody wants to talk to athletes. Take advantage of it. So, advantage. all right. One thing, one thing athletes need to watch out for, like one thing from a brand perspective, that's like absolute no, like stay away from that. Don't do uh, this could ruin tarnish your brand. Uh, I mean, just watch what you say on social. I know it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's such a, a you know, a hot, an easy thing to say, but I, I mean, you just got to understand where most brands come from. And yes, there's certain brands that are going to respect uh, a hot take and, and the, the kind of, you know, person out there, but most brands don't. And yeah. like, especially if you are, uh, well, and I'll, I'll flip on on a positive, right. And it, it let's, so let's say you're in a, a smaller town, especially if you're in a, uh, like if you're in NFL, you're not Buffalo, a green Bay or whatever, like know your, your audience. And instead like play up the small town, when you go to a, a, a restaurant in town, that's a local one, like give them a review or like give them a tweet yeah. or something, you know, use that power for good, way more like I, I guess i'd just say the power of good in, as a brand is way more attractive than the power of hatred right so if i have mm-hmm. if i have the option between two brand ambassadors one of which is is running their mouth this and that saying shit versus you know someone who's just expressing gratitude someone who's, who's out in their community like to me that's a no-brainer right okay. i don't i don't need the liability of of somebody else and that's that's really what it comes down to is like my as a brand manager, you are constantly evaluating risk, right? Yeah. Like everything is about if I put in this much money, what what's the risk, right? And so it's like if I have a, a player, you know, who, yeah, they, they could bring in some people, but if they say something, I now have to make that my entire job to rectify that situation because I'm partnered with them. Yeah. That's a risk I'm not willing to take right now. You I know. So last question before I let you leave. And before I ask you this last question, want to thank you so much for getting on the podcast. How can people reach out to you if they want to connect, if they want, you know, you know, to seek your advice or just connect with you, you know, you spoke about, you know, mental health, you know, your career and you just like your transition. I think some people are going to gravitate towards that. Um, how can they connect with you? For sure. Um, I mean, just my Instagram is J Dodson, D O D S O N one three. Um, so that's probably the best way there. I'm, I'm, you know, either just shoot me a note on uh, DMS or comment on a post or something. Um, more than happy to, to give advice, you know, and, and, uh, I, uh, I both admire 
you know, everyone who's, who's done the, the professional side of things. And also like, I'm here to uh, talk through what I can, you know, cause I, I think that, like we said about mental health and, and a lot of this stuff is just not talked about enough. And so any, anyone I can kind of help encourage and push in the right direction, you know, I'm more than happy to. Perfect. So we definitely gonna have that in the show notes. Make sure you connect with Jason. Uh, and then last question, because uh, we do this brand audit series and that's how, you know, Jason, uh, we keep in touch from time to time, but that's how I really wanted to get him on the podcast. Cause every time we did a brand series, he would highlight different things around the athletes that we kind of highlighted. So I'm having him, I told you this was going to be a masterclass frugal athlete, Mobile Kugo brand audit right now. Go. Oof, I love it. All right. I think your strength is definitely your knowledge. Like you, you know, a lot, you, you lay out things fantastic. Um, I think you have a further opportunity, like I was saying with networking that you are tapping into some very, uh, influential people, some amazing entrepreneurs, everything like that. So keep building that network. I think that is truly going to be where the success, I think, of a business like this is just going to be that word of mouth. And again, you have access to word of mouth of some very important people or people who know very important people. So just Mm -hmm. keep the quality high and uh, keep, you know, I I think the thread is just noise. Like there's a lot of noise in your space that you're playing, but you know, so what you guys are all professional athletes, right? Yeah, like that was, that was the bargain you took on. So, you know, I'd say just keep doing what you're doing, really focus on developing that depth and that network. And you're, you're, you're doing all the right things, man. Be, Thank be patient you. to have that long-term view. No things that we need to work on. Nothing. They're being you, nice, man. No, you're being no, nice, no, man. I mean, that's fair. Like, I mean, yeah. I think we can work on a little bit, some more uh, of the, um, you know, a little bit more production quality, a little bit more production quality. I'm writing it down. All right. Writing it down there. I mean, I, I love the, um, you know, I love the series that you did the, um, what'd you call it? The audit series. Yeah. The brand audit series. I I think more of that kind of stuff of just like putting people out there and, and kind of playing that game of like, you know, interactivity versus just one way passivity. Right. Like, That, I think, to me, is really how you grow that social following, how you get people engaged, um, you know, and, and just, I think, keep pushing that idea of of what I was saying of, like, what frugality really means. I think I love that when your podcast, when you talk about um, how frugality is more than just saving money, right? That's not kind of what your the whole MO is. And so I think just really putting that at the forefront, again, of not only thinking about terms of dollars and cents, but again, of that idea of what are you putting out there? How are you um, showing up and, and kind of the good and bad and, and, and kind of be willing to, to show kind of both sides of it. Uh, thank you, Jason. As you said, I told you this was going to be a masterclass. It was, we got to learn about Jason, his story, his, his pathway to, you know, branding and marketing uh, real quick. Any books you'd recommend any resources? Oh, um, just one. So Yeah. Uh, influence by Robert Cialdini. Okay, we're going to have um, that in the show notes. That is, uh, it was a book written by a, a social psychologist, and it's literally changed the way I see the world about uh, branding and and kind of just how people influence each other. I mean, it's fascinating. Um, anything about Malcolm Gladwell? I think that's just yeah. uh, kind of the, the standard go tos. Um, and, and honestly, as a, as a branding person, you know, the last thing I'd say, and is more from my creative perspective is like, don't, 
limit yourself to things that you think will be useful as much as go after things that kind of light your, your soul on fire. You know, if you have something yeah. that you really like, chase it. And, and why I, I say that is like, as a creative person, you pull inspiration from everywhere and you don't know what's going to be useful to you in the future. So yeah. the only thing that's really useful to you is the things that keep you going. Right. And the things that get you excited. So as much as you, you know, my, it, for branding purposes and everything, find things that you're interested in, find ways to be interesting um, and just be passionate about what you do, you know, and, and love that. make sure that shows. I love that. And I think that could be translated to athletes as well. Make sure you, you know, pursue passions off the, outside of your sport because you can't play sports forever. Sports is the one thing that's going to be guaranteed to end in divorce. And it's important <laughs> to understand that there's, there's more to life. And uh, I want to thank you again, Jason. Definitely going to have all your information in the show notes. Make sure you tap in with him. I'm also, I'm taking his advice. I have all the notes that we're probably going to repurpose. So once again, thank you so much and hope to have you back on soon. Maybe you're going to be hosting like an own personal masterclass, a brand audit masterclass. Let's see if I, I can convince you. I, I would love it. Let's, let's keep talking, man. Most definitely. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast episode. For more information, check out the show notes and go to our website, www.afrugalathlete.com. If you enjoyed, please leave a favorable rating and review and share and subscribe. Thank you so much.